I'm going to end out this series. Uh, I had the pleasure of starting off the series uh, by preaching Genesis 50, and now I have the pleasure of ending it out. So I think we're going to have a good time. Um, last week, Kent talked about the priesthood um, and how the priesthood points us to the glory of God. Um, and this, this week, we're going to discuss the presence in the glory of God, uh, beginning at chapter 40. Uh, we're going to start, uh, again, it's page 80. We're going to start at verse 34. Uh, but before we get to verse 34, uh, God gives Moses instruction to build uh, the tabernacle. So Moses builds the tabernacle to completion and to God's satisfaction, uh, which I think is important that he didn't just build it and it was like, oh, like he builds it and God comes and he dwells with the people. Uh, so, yeah. That's how we get to verse 34. Let us read it. And it reads, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, Wherever, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So we see it says, then the cloud covered the tent of meetings and the glory, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord here is not necessarily the sense of God's appealing looks. Um, the glory of the Lord is God's beauty. Uh, but the point of this beauty, we're talking about God's character when we're talking about God's beauty here. Uh, by nature, the word glory points to God's holiness and his utter uniqueness. It, it, it's pointing to this reality that God is not like anything else in all creation. That God is totally set apart in his love, in, in, in his, his patience, is not like any other. Right? And as believers, we're called to reflect this glory, but we also recognize that he's just different from us in ways that we don't even have categories for. So God's glory points to God's uh, holiness or his uniqueness. Have you ever heard someone say uh, that a person has a beautiful spirit? Right. Someone has a beautiful spirit. What we're what we're what we're saying is that the person has a beautiful uh, 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 they, they have kindness. Right. Uh, like, man, you have you have so much kindness in and that a person's character. Right. is kind of up to par when we talk about a person's uh, beauty. What we're not doing is we're not saying that a person is only beautiful on the inside to say that they're kind of ugly on the outside. It's not like saying, looking at somebody, baby, like, oh, I like your shoes. Baby, I appreciate It's not like that, you know. Uh, 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 this is not to highlight one aspect because another aspect 
seems to be untrue. This is not saying uh, the baby don't look that good, uh, but he got some clean shoes on, though. It's not what we're saying. It's not our intent. Uh, God is both utterly beautiful in his appearance. But in this context, we're not talking about his appearance. We're talking about his character, his, the beauty of who he is. God is both beautiful in appearance and he is both beautiful in his character. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about the glory of God. Uh, but I have to say the interesting thing about being tasked by God, even as Christians, to talk about his glory um, is that I'm aware that I don't have words to fully express the fullness of his glory. Um, I, don't, I don't have words uh, that will express it to, to just like totally help you to see what will be revealed when we actually get in his presence. When we die and we will die, we will see glory like none other. I don't have the words for that, and I don't want to act like I do. Um, I think that when we see, when we see God in, in the fullness of his glory, I think that we'll be awestruck. We will be awestruck. I imagine uh, the moon, right? I imagine the moon bowing the knee to the glory and presence of God. The stars bowing the knee the grass that withers and the, and, and the leaves that come off the tree, that all of creation would see his glory. And it would totally blow our, our whole framework. Uh, but I don't want to act like I can communicate exactly what that would look like. I won't even scratch the surface. Uh, but we are tasked to glorify God. We are tasked to communicate the glories of God. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do knowing that we won't scratch the surface. So let's dig in. The Hebrew word for glory here is kavod. Kavod. When we look at the definition of the word, one of the most common translations is weight. One would even use the word heaviness. Have you ever said to someone or heard it said that someone's name holds Weight. It's kind of similar. What we're saying is we're speaking of a person's reputation when we say their name holds weight. We're saying this person's reputation precedes them. Reputation is also another way that we can describe this word kavod by definition. It's reputation of God. This is who we know God to be. When we talk about the glory of God, we're saying who we know God to be. So when we talk about the glory, we're talking about the beauty of his character, the glory of who he is, the core, the very essence of his being. That's what we're talking about. I think this is why the psalmist says in Psalm 19, it says the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are communicating to us. God is communicating to us through the heavens. His goodness, his faithfulness, his steadfast love. We should look up at the heavens and God is saying to us, look at me. 
see me. I've placed the stars in the sky so you can see me. I placed the moon in its place. I put the sun in motion to rise and set so that you could see me. I'm revealing myself to you. Look at me. Psalm 19 goes on to say, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. When we look at the sky, it's communicating God's uniqueness, his creativity, his, 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 his divinity. Day to day, they pour out speech. Night to night, reveal knowledge. Creation is always speaking and giving glory to God. God is always speaking to us only if we had eyes to see. There's a song that I'm reminded of, and it says, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power in love. As we sing holy, holy, holy. We're going to have a choir in this place, I promise. Right? That should be our prayer. I want to see you. He's always speaking. Even in this room, God's glory is revealed in us through his church. We should look around and seeing men loving their wives and wives loving their husbands and, and, and relationships thriving. Singles giving their lives devoted to God. Right? We should see sisters and brothers holding hands and being there for each other and, and, and changing tires and people playing the guitar and not just say, oh, man, he's good at the guitar, but say, look at God. God created this man, and he's playing the guitar to the glory of God. It shouldn't just stop with them and say, oh, look at them. You're good. No, God is good. We should look around this room only if we have eyes to see that even in this room, God is revealing his glory. He's revealing himself. He's speaking through his church. Look at me, a people who love each other like none else, who's opened their homes, who share dinners together, who come and change flat tires, who watch kids. Can I get an amen? amen. It's tough. We should see the heart, the glory, the character of God through his, through his church. It ends by saying, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice go through all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. The glory of God, if you're taking notes, the glory of God is God's holiness made manifest to all people. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the glory of God. It's God's holiness made manifest to all people. Other ways to say it, the glory of God is God's otherness, his uniqueness on public display for people to see and attribute to him. 
one of our issues is a lot of time we see, I believe every human being sees the glory of God. The issue is what we find in Romans 1, where we attribute it to something else other than God. So not just on public display for us to see, it's for us to see and rightly attribute it to him. To perceive the glory of God, to perceive God's holiness, to perceive his holiness is to see glory, God's glory. To perceive God's set-apartness or his uniqueness. To see this, to know this, to reckon with this is to see God's glory. So we see here in Exodus 40, it says, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We see that Moses was not allowed to enter into the tabernacle because of this cloud, because of God's presence and God's holiness. The cloud was a representation of the presence of God. It signified that God's presence was indeed right there. That the presence of God, we can point to, God is dwelling there. Not over here, there. It was, it, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, just a pillar that this is where God is. When we see this cloud, uh, this part of the story when we read Exodus 40 and see that the cloud covered the tent of meetings, uh, this should remind us of Exodus 24. There's a cloud covering the tent and Moses is not able to enter. Exodus 24, we should see Moses at the Mount Sinai with a cloud going up a mountain and he can enter there. What is the difference? He can enter over here but can't enter here. Moses was permitted to go up at Mount Sinai. However, now Moses is not permitted. What is the difference? Uh, I don't think that God is being mean. This is not a, a moment where God is kind of shunning Moses or being mean. I believe simply, to be sim- to simply stated, that this is a moment of consecration of this tent of meetings. It's just a moment of consecration. Moses couldn't physically enter the temple because there was a literal cloud. It says, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. God occupied, dwelt, he occupied the temple at that time. There was literally no room for Moses to enter, and it was not the proper time. It's not the proper time for him to do so. Exodus 37. But if the cloud was taken up, they did not set out till the day it was taken up. When the presence of God was on the temple, the people stayed there. This is what it's saying. So the presence of God is on the temple. The cloud is there. At one moment, the cloud goes. It moves. When it's there, the people stay. When it moves, the people move. When the presence of God was on the temple, the people stayed in their current camps because that's where they knew God was. And when this cloud representing God moved, the people marched and they moved to find camp elsewhere. When I read this, I imagined uh, the Lord not necessarily like leaving his people, 
in some type of negative way. Uh, it's not the sense of God abandoning his people, but rather it's the sense of God going before his people. He's not abandoning them. He's just going before them. The book of Exodus, it starts off seeming really hopeless. It starts off with this Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. And he begins to enslave the people of Israel. He begins to oppress the people of Israel. It starts off really dark and kind of gloomy. At the end of Exodus, we see a people, we get a picture of a people who are hopeful again. Let's read this last part, Exodus 28. It says, it says I'm sorry, Exodus 40, verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day. Fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And that's how the book ends. The book of Exodus ends with the people of God in the presence of God. It ends with the people of God in the presence of God. We should hear how our story ends as believers. The people of God in the presence of our God. One of the most striking things to my heart in Revelation 21, it says, and he will be their God. They will be his people. It's striking to me that this is my reality. I was reading Revelation a couple weeks ago, and I, and I saw uh, it says, multitude of heaven will be praising and worshiping God. Like all these people who believed in Jesus is going to be praising the worship of God. And I say, man, that's cool. I want it, but I know that there is none righteous, no, not one. So how can this be? How can this be? Because I seem to want to count myself out a lot. How can this be that myriads, millions upon millions of people is living and worshiping and will forever live in the presence of God? And I know we all a mess. And I just say blessings and glory and honor be to our God. That picture reveals the glory of God. It shows his character. Books ends with the people of God and the presence of God. So this tabernacle was built. And uh, just to let y'all know we're about to be finished, right? Uh, back to the church that I come from. Uh, the deacons and, and, and the bishops, everybody, they say, you ain't got to be long to be strong. That's exactly how I said. You ain't got to be long to be strong. Uh, what we want to do? We're about, to, we're about to wrap this thing up. The tabernacle that was built was a foreshadow of what was to come in Jesus, our Messiah. Turn with me uh, to John 1.14. John 1.14. And we'll, we'll end in here. John 1.14. It's on page 886 in the Black Bibles. Jesus was the true tabernacle. Jesus is the true tabernacle where man 
and God meet. Man and God meet. Jesus is what night, what unites God. Who unites God with man? Jesus, he is the God man. It's just a tabernacle. He is a fulfillment of the tabernacle. John 1, 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory. We've seen his beauty. We've seen his goodness. We've seen his power, his divinity. Glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. So John in his intro, how does he decide to describe this Jesus that he has come to know? How does he describe his character, his beauty, his glory? He says, we lived with him. We knew him. And what we know about him is that he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Now is the time that we're about to come to communion. Just like Jesus is a fulfillment of the tabernacle, there was something in the tabernacle called a veil. And that veil, after Jesus died, the veil was torn. And likewise, the veil was torn to bring us to the presence of God. And likewise, Jesus there on that cross, his body was broken and torn to bring us to God. And so this is why we come to this moment of communion, to remember what Jesus has done, has accomplished. As long as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to have stations around the room. To my right, we have a station. In the back, we have a station. And then, I'm sorry, that's my left. That's y'all right. And on my right, we're going to have gluten-free. Uh, so let's just pray. Uh, let's just be still in the presence of God. Look around and Practice seeing his glory. Look at your, your neighbors and, and, and the things that God has done in their lives and say, man, God is good because of you. Because of you, God, I can see the goodness of God. God is good without you, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this moment of coming to communion. I thank you for this moment to share your word again with your church. I pray that above all you be glorified, God, and you alone. I pray that our hearts continue to be stirred throughout the week. I pray that we just look around at creation, look at the, look at the cars that pass and the street lights and the kids playing and look at schools and, and buildings, architecture, look at paintings and ascribe glory to you where glory belongs. And so I thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus, for being the King of glory. The King of glory. And we praise your name and will forever. In Jesus' name, amen.